So student mental health concerns have been prevailing over a long time now but not many people talk about it and not many people give it much importance. In India specifically, we've always been taught and brought up with the notion of being the best at everything and anything we do. Efforts usually aren't appreciated unless it has some significance, you know. On this episode of Yours Mentally, we talk all about student mental health. This has been quite a helpful episode and I think there was so much to learn from it. There were so many things that I didn't know that I discovered I'd say about myself as well. This episode is in conversation with Drishti Goenka, who is a counseling psychologist. So without further ado, let's get right into the episode. So on today's episode where we talk about student mental health, Drishti, what are the few common mental health illnesses faced by students in general and also in the pandemic? So Aman, I really feel like all the common mental health illnesses that are faced by students right now, they're just exacerbated by the covid right so when you look at i see a lot of irritability among students fluctuating mood swings low mood due to the pandemic there's a lot of dependence on video games because that's essentially their way to connect with peers and also you know interact with them and that's their way to learn that's their link way to play a lot of increased social media use which i feel aggravates you know feelings like comparison and low self esteem and especially body image issues we see a lot of angry behaviors outbursts wanting to isolate themselves one of the biggest things that i have seen is feeling numb among students because either they don't know what to feel or there's just too much inside and they don't know how to make sense of it right also this is not a mental illness but something that i've noticed in students a lot is this new term called zoom fatigue have you heard about this zoom fatigue oh absolutely call yeah. it fatigue because people say there's google meet there's microsoft yeah, there's I think, a lot of different screens yeah I, I i feel like i think that's also one of the reasons that you know they get burnt out very easily because it's just it's just very uh, monotonous now you know just every day get up in the morning log in for your class and then just sit and stare at that screen i agree and you know there's and because of this there's growing disinterest amongst yeah. you there's very low motivation I've had students from like very young ages to even the high school students who just don't want to be a part of a Zoom class. Yeah. Have a lot more tantrums because parents are forcing them to join their classes. Yeah, I feel like uh, for the younger kids it's even like harder because that's like the years of development, right? Yeah. And now that they have this online school, it's not really good for them physically and mentally. I I completely agree. You know, one of the other things that I'm also seeing is a lot of emotional eating. You know, they just they're bored, they're stressed, they don't know how to cope with the situation and everything that's happening around them. They're very frustrated and they're just eating a lot. And then, like, uh, like what I've even noticed, like amongst my friends and even like people younger or older than me, this new "I don't care" attitude has come. You know, yeah, they've reached a point of give like they've given up. Like, I don't care. Like, you know, now whatever happens, happens. This, this is I don't care. Like, that's the new attitude that I'm seeing, and I don't even blame them because you know it has become like a situation has become like that. That it's, it's a little hard to cope with. Like, you know, all the time. Absolutely. You know, since the whole lockdown started, it was never expected to be this long. So even when we had school closures, it's for a month. Then it's yeah. for a month. It's for another week. So children kept having that hope. Ki ha, abhi khulega. Now it will open, and mm. now we'll get to go to school. But that it's just never happened. So now they've given up. They're like, we don't care. We don't want to study. We'll wait for when school reopens, and then yeah. we'll see what happens then. So, Drishti, in what ways can schools and colleges promote the ideology that learning is more important than marks? 
and do you think that it would help improve students mental health so this is again this is my point of view here mm-hmm. i feel like one of the biggest things that schools can do is really reevaluate the purpose of assessments the way that they assess learning right mm-hmm. what's happening right now is we are assessing to understand who's performed better and this is bound to affect any child's mental health right for students who don't perform as well as others it can be very damaging to their self esteem to their confidence and at a very young age students are learning to assign their self worth to the percentage that they receive right? if i give you my own example and i have such a vivid memory of doing this when i was in fourth grade final exam marks had just come out and i was on top of the moon i was over the moon rather because i had a 95% i was very happy with myself we were going somewhere and we bumped into a family who has a child my age and she came up to me she's like oh did you get your marks I'm like, yes of course i did and i got a 95% and she said well i got a 97% and i still remember feeling so small in front of her that i am nothing now because i have a 95 and you have a 97 so and the one change that students uh, sorry that schools can do is just reevaluate why are you assessing and that purpose should be clearly communicated to both students and parents so know that we are assessing to understand how much a student has learned where they need support right we can have multiple strategies to evaluate learning we can evaluate learning at different stages of learning right we do a knowledge check before and then we do a mid year assessment and then do an end of year assessment and using strategies like use rubrics instead of percentages although i know that schools or other cbse and icse boards have moved away from percentages and are now assigning grades which is a good step but there's a lot more that needs to be done beyond that so i think assessments assessments need to be designed in a way that seem less intimidating to both students and parents yeah i think i agree with you i feel like the indian education system it just puts a lot of pressure on students like you know it's like everyone has to score good if you don't score good then you're just like the the saying over is like if you if you just if you don't score good then you're not part of the best i feel like that's not true you know you're still there are still institutions who have sections based on marks yeah yeah exactly and like yeah i i think it just yeah it's stupid to judge your ability to do anything based off of your based off your marks like i think uh, your marks don't prove how talented you are or how passionate or how hard working you are you know they really don't but see the thing is that that needs to be communicated to parents as well So yeah, 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 for sure. Then say I've worked with a lot of international schools and we do have the rubric system set mm-hmm. up and parents are really confused at the end of the day when they look at the score sheet or the you know evaluation sheet they're like ha theek hai this is the rubric but what is the percentage how do i know where my child is at this is not telling me anything is very detailed assessments they don't want to go through those detailed assessments they need a number this yeah. number so we know where our child is at and that's usually unfortunately for reasons like you know they want to compare with the other child the other another sibling it's really it doesn't serve the purpose at all not every child has same interest and not everybody has the same kind of intelligence that we're looking out for somebody may excel in maths but then somebody else would totally not like it and would totally excel in english and so different intelligences i i agree i agree and also 
everybody learns at a different pace so it doesn't matter 30 years from now if your child has learned the letter x at the age of 3 or at the age of 4 it won't matter 10 years from then because what matters is that the child learned the letter x right so drishti you told me you worked in schools for around 7 years now right so can you tell me have any changes been made in schools and colleges to sort of help students that face mental illnesses and if not then what potential provisions can be made so what i have seen is that cbse and icse boards they have given the directive to all schools to have a school counselor and psychologist on staff hmm. on paper this is great it's a great idea to have this professional be a part of the school system but what exactly their day to day job description is is a bit confusing for me because i remember meeting this group of school counselors and all of them all of them were really frustrated with the kind of responsibilities they were expected to uh, fulfill they were all expected to be substitutes for absent teachers they had to invigilate exams they had to complete admin work so it really felt like the school management have little to no knowledge about how to make use of this resource so essentially these professionals are all underutilized me i was fortunate enough to be in schools who really understood the importance of what i do and you know they expected me to plan and implement a social emotional learning curriculum so these are basically lessons on understanding managing emotions coping with stress bullying working on body image and basically like a lot of self awareness related themes that i had to take students through on a weekly basis now due to these classes i could observe children and i, I could understand them at a deeper level you know they felt comfortable approaching me for support and i made sure to interact with parents so that they knew that their children are going through such classes on a weekly basis really trying to bring everyone together for you know the betterment of the child but this is only in international schools in the private schools like cbse icse even state board schools they don't really have these resources set in place for them thanks to covid though right now social emotional learning is at the forefront and all schools are beginning to realize okay this is important and they're trying to make provisions by making sure that you know in their timetable they have at least one lesson set aside for say sel the social emotional learning lessons but there's still a long long way to go in this schools who have the funding for it schools who have the monetary resources for it go ahead and introduce these programs schools who don't fail to do so so i uh, this is what i think i think now there's a lot of research also that's out there that says that students who have gone through sel lessons have fewer mental health related concerns in their adulthood compared to students who have not gone through these lessons at all so this is more on working on the preventative side of everything right so you don't have to be don't have to have a reactive approach whenever any such case comes up my own my concern with or rather the one drawback that i see in this based on what i have also experienced is that when we take teachers through say a professional development exercise on understanding mental health concerns in students they're very quick to label their students right so even though say there's a child who likes to run around a lot and you're not sit in one place that child is automatically labeled adhd and there there's a lot more that goes into an adhd diagnosis uh, just not sitting in one place is not the only thing that you know qualifies it as a diagnosis but teachers can get 
not only teachers i think anyone anyone who doesn't have an educational background in psychology they're very quick to label so yes teachers and staff do need to be taken through some workshops or seminars but i would say on building social emotional skills competencies okay. because then they start working on how to help their students express how to help their students understand what challenge they are going through and really talk them through it true to actually help students and not outcast them or label them yeah yeah drishti what is your opinion on encouraging cutthroat competition in schools and colleges and is it necessary for the holistic development or does it lead to deterioration of student mental health so yashi i'm not against the concept of competition i think that there should be a balance of everything right so sooner or later everybody needs to face competition in some form so it definitely has its own benefits right so if we look at sporting activities there is an element of competition the adrenaline rush you know that's what makes it enjoyable but competition around marks is something that i'm a bit iffy about so when you display marks say on a bulletin board and when you have cut off marks like 98.4 and the students get 93.8 they feel really horrible about themselves and that's something we need to reconsider so one of the ways that i feel like we can gauge whether competition is healthy or unhealthy is to really ask ourselves some basic questions so is it helping students perform better is it giving them a good sense of what their strengths are and what they need to work on so at one of the schools i used to work at the pe teacher would make them shake hands after a match so you mm-hmm. congratulate the team that did well but then you also congratulate the team that put in the effort so i would say definitely competition does contribute to the holistic development of a student depending on what they are competing over and most importantly having a very skilled facilitator or a teacher to debrief with them yeah i agree with you as as long as the competition is not toxic i guess it's 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 good completely ready so rishi how can schools like mostly in india help mm-hmm. students rise above the stigma surrounding mental health illnesses am on very basic thing they need to do the mm-hmm. most basic thing is talk about it just yeah. talking about it and the more we talk about it the more it seems like a normal phenomenon like you mm-hmm. bring in all stakeholders you make sure that everybody is on the same page when you start talking you'll know who is on your side who's not on your side understand what makes a group stigmatized mental health and work on them to destigmatize it and this cannot be the sole responsibility of a school counselor or a psychologist it needs to be a top down approach in yeah. a way that the management has to believe in it your school policies need to reflect mental health how many school policies do you see that even talk about mental health in a way that is destigmatizing and not really you know putting someone down or yeah. isolating them yeah it's it's very less i mean yeah in india you don't see it a lot and like i feel like even over here i feel some students have major mental health problems like that come from school like from their teachers you know because of yeah. teachers comparing them calling them names calling them stupid all of that mm-hmm. saying you will like you know i'll i'll tell you this one thing that i've always heard from my childhood and i'm pretty sure everyone has that people tell you that you're stupid and that you're a failure just so you do better i think they don't see the other aspect of it that them saying that you know, might just make you even worse absolutely and, and which is why yeah. you know i said earlier in one of 
our previous questions where the school staff and teachers need to be trained on social emotional competencies yeah yeah is so that everything that they speak like mindful teaching mindful language with students how you encourage them how you speak to them when they're not doing well or when you know they're really struggling with physics problem or something how do you help them through that how do you talk them through that and not put them down or make them feel small because they're taking time to understand the concept mm-hmm. yeah i feel like and right now i spoke about you know people who are not very smart even smart people and feel like these teachers place a lot of unrealistic they even parents place a lot of unrealistic expectations and i'm like you know okay now you scored 93 now you got to get 96 in your final exams i feel like exactly. that 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 messes up with their mind sometimes because then they want to keep up to those expectations to be in those people's good books Mm-hmm. you know they are saying that the expectations sort of you know put them down sometimes i feel all and the then, time all and the then time. and then what hurts even more is when they don't meet those expectations yeah i think that like that that screws up with people's minds so that's where i say that school policies need to reflect mental health because yeah. it to outline the kind of behaviors that everybody should be having towards each other and not just within the school surrounding but also at home with parents so even parents know that this is a school policy mm-hmm. and you know let's follow school policy so unless the school management really believes in it it will be very hard to bring in everybody and make sure that they're all on the same right so drishti ever since online school has started cyberbullying has been quite a major issue right so how do people in time such prevent social media from affecting them negatively so aman i think before we go into prevention it's really important for us to understand and also acknowledge that social media video games and the likes of them they are the only thing right now giving children a platform to connect with their peers play their interaction their learning it's all happening online right yes so when they're online a lot more they are certainly more susceptible to cyberbullying but cutting out screen time banning video games and social media is really not the answer what we do is we can take them through simple strategies on how they can be safe online so what a safe password is having them differentiate between personal private and personal public information helping them understand what clickbait is you won't believe i took my third and fourth grade students through what clickbait is and they had an absolute blast understanding and learning about clickbait where they actually i asked them to sort of curate these headlines clickbaity headlines and told them you know make me curious make me want to click on them but when i do it should be something completely irrelevant oh, okay yeah that's interesting <laughs> um uh, and through what digital footprint is i just took them through like random information from like a person's online activity and like tell me what can you figure out about this person just by looking at the activity mm-hmm. and then they understood that this is how much we are putting out there about ourselves and how can we really control that so there are a lot of resources online that help us with you know fun and engaging activities that we can do with students so that they also understand that as adults all we want for them is to be safe right for social yeah specifically we need to help them see what we see on social media isn't the reality mm-hmm. so ensure that they're following safe accounts that their own account is private so no random person can follow them yeah because the thing yeah. is that students in this day and age 
they know a lot of these things a lot better than we do. And they are living in a time where there's surplus information. What they need help in is to critically look at the information they are consuming and not really take in everything. So we equip them with the resources and the strategies and we need to let them know that we trust them in making safe choices instead of doing it for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Social media in general, I feel like now has become a very uh, toxic place. Like just in general, like you know, like I'm, I'm like I myself personally, I really want to get off social media. I want to delete, mm-hmm. you know, all of it, but I can't obviously because of work and all. Like I'm on a podcast, yeah. so I can't really do that. But um, yeah, I try not seeing Instagram, Twitter, and all that very often, you know, because like now it has become really, really toxic. Like it's just like digital detox days. Yeah, I just delete man, honestly. But uh, yeah, I just, I just can't. I know, you know. Uh, what I do is I follow a lot of um, dog accounts, so ah. it is automatically filled with lovely right. dog videos. Right. Uh, yeah, so one, one of the people, uh, one, one, a therapist once told me that, you know, she when I told her about social media being toxic, so she's like, just follow accounts that you like watching, you know, yeah. content that you like watching, yeah. you know, see what you want to see, don't see everything that's, you know, on the internet, because then that will obviously make it a toxic place, because you're seeing stuff that you don't like seeing or you don't want to see. But you yeah, have yeah. that control, I say, I follow all dog pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, do you think the Netflix original 13 Reasons Why represents student mental health appropriately and what are some things it portrays incorrectly? Have you have you watched the show? It was it's it's been a while. I stopped watching mid season two. So what my opinion will be based on season one and part of season two. Mm-hmm. So yes and no to your question. Okay. Right. What I think it does well is really show us that depression is seen in different forms in students which are, you know, which are often like observable as irritable and angry behaviors. So it does point us to red flags that we can identify in students, especially when, say, a teenager starts to isolate themselves and they're very secretive. So these are all some basic red flags that they've pointed us to. And now there are a lot of things I don't agree with. See, as adults, when we watch it, we understand the nuances of everything. But Imagine a teenager watching this. Ah, right. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that it influences them in ways that may be negative. More than anything, Aman, it tells them that adults are of no help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They highlight how Hannah struggled to seek help. Right When she finally approached the counsellor, the counsellor was incompetent. The mm-hmm. school's response to Hannah's death was putting up posters all over the school about anti-suicide or something which it didn't really serve the purpose you know they had this town hall type meeting with students to address all of these issues which made them even more comfortable uncomfortable and you know then the counselor what bothered me the most was the counselor dismissing Hannah's revelation and not involving parents not calling for an investigation the message was very very clear that teenagers can't trust adults with their with anything that they need help in and Adults, when they come in, they work only on the reactive side of it, not on the preventative. And more often than not, they even the reactive side is is not helpful at all. So I would really watch this with caution. I personally yeah. stopped because it was very triggering and very disturbing. 
making a teenager watch this i would recommend no sorry yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, yeah. i think it kind of romanticizes the entire concept of self harm you know wherein oh um, hannah's suicide though scene was very graphic it didn't need to be that graphic it yeah. didn't to be that way it kind of portrays that self harming is not a symptom but it's rather a solution when yeah. reality it's actually the other way around yeah and we can't a teenager doesn't have that understanding right mm-hmm. if they do we shouldn't also underestimate their intellectual capabilities but but still i would still watch this with caution if people want to watch it right so drishti my last question for today is what is some advice that you would give your 18 year old self who's just gone to college ah hmm so i went to flame uh flame ah. yes <laughs> really oh yeah. my was it even what uh, was it even established when you went to flame second year second year of establishment Oh my god. Oh wow. Damn. Yeah, I'm not that old, Aman. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I mean I thought you were I genuinely thought you were way older than me like. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to Flame University. It was my first first time being away from home. Mhm. First time in a co-ed environment because I was in an all girls uh, Catholic school. <laughs> oh, convent school. Yes. Oh. From KG to 12th. So the i was a huge culture shock for me i would say i think i would tell myself not be so serious about everything i, I was a very serious student i went lights out by 10 pm sharp i had a perfect attendance record oh that 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 mean to a standard <laughs> i 100% attendance in online school <laughs> yeah and i was very self conscious about everything and i would really like tell myself that you know what that is the age where everyone is a little too concerned with their own stuff so i would tell my younger self to not be too in her head and be open to making mistakes experiment explore and have fun without feeling guilty every time i had fun i felt guilty so yeah. i feel like i feel like it's not like a like one off case i feel like you're not the only one i feel even now a lot of kids my age and i think even like one or two years older than me people yeah she says Mm-hmm. I feel like if they are very career centered and study focused and all that they mm-hmm. feel guilty while having fun they are like nahi nahi ab you know zyada ho gaya we we had too much fun now we got to study like a lot you know to compensate for this i feel like that is such a i, I don't know scholarship student so i had like like double the pressure to perform and everything these kids you know who have like a lot of pressure on them because sometimes i feel like their the reasons are valid you know but also at the same time i feel like they like i can't obviously put away the fact that they are trying to you know keep up with their parents expectations if that if that's what makes them happy i guess it it is how it is you know but at the same time i feel like trying to keep up with your parents expectations is also wrong because like it's your life you know like they are not going to live your life your parents are probably like this may be very wrong but your parents are not going to be here with you forever right so mm-hmm. you have to make your own life trying to keep up to their expectations trying to achieve what they wanted to achieve i feel like that's only going to give you short term satisfaction of seeing them happy but in the long run you're going to regret it true aman but you know i also think that it's very hard to believe this when somebody is saying this to us Oh yeah, right, for sure. This yeah. realization kicks in much later in life. So this it's it's easier said than done. 
because at the end of the day you are answerable to your parents about you know how you are performing yeah uh, i mean i didn't uh, mean in terms of studies i meant in terms of career like even career even career uh, i think in the beginning stages of your career you do feel that feeling is always there that you know you're answerable yeah, yeah. i mean obviously you can't put it off like that because these people have raised you you know yeah you unless unless you come from a family where your parents are like you know what explore experiment do what makes you happy yeah is superb but if you come from a family who are very very particular about what their child is doing what their child is studying it can be very it can be like that it's it's very hovering for you know that feeling it won't go away that easily yeah yeah for sure i am mean, i'm pretty sure it is not as easy as i'm saying it it's easier said than done you know it must be very hard for people yeah, yeah it is but um, yeah like i said that's just my opinion it could be it could be wrong of course I, the best thing that we can ask them to you know do or advise them is to do something every day that they love yeah to keep them happy yeah for what? sure Mm-hmm. Right. I agree. Yeah. Right. I think uh, that was a very enjoyable episode. I could relate a lot to a lot of things. I had a lot to add as well, and uh, I feel like everyone listening will also be able to relate. You know, hopefully, students can you know uh, have like a better perspective to things after listening to this, and maybe if even teachers are listening, they also might learn a few things here and there. So, mm-hmm. uh, thank you, Rishti, for being with us today. Thank you for having me. This was. And- Thank yeah, you for so being my first podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is this is this is really enjoyable. And to everyone who's listening, thank you for listening. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye.